0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is the point.
1: Welcome to a special edition of the Point and Opinion Show coming to you from Beijing. I'm Dee Shin. The United Nations Sustainable Development Goals Summit is taking place on September the 18th to 19th at its headquarters in New York. It marks the halfway point to the deadline set for the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development Goals. Reports show that only 12% of Sustainable Development targets are on track, so we are lagging behind and need to accelerate actions towards the target year of 2030 in the second half of of the process. China is working towards sustainable development in its own way by accelerating the building of a green and low carbon economy. Not only has China endeavored to expand green development domestically but also overseas through the Belt and Road Initiative. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the initiative. So how do SDGs resonate with China's green BRI? I talked to Eric Solheim, Vice President of the Green Belt and Road Coalition, also a former executive director of the UN Environment Programme and a former UN Under-Secretary General. I started by asking him whether the idea of green development has taken root in China, according to his observation.
0: Twenty years ago, when President Xi Jinping made the famous speech when he said that lucid waters and lush mountains is like silver and gold, that time it was not the president. It was the party secretary of Jung and frankly not so many people who took notice because it was not a major event at the time. But now it can be seen as a complete kind of historical shift in, in China with the benefit of hindsight. At the time, well, Beijing was horribly polluted. I mean, we all know, I mean, if you walked around here, the air was like a soup, a very horrible soup. You could never see the sun or the uh, or, or the, the sky. Well, now the sky is bright in Beijing. You can see the sun. I would happily go for a jogging because I can breathe the, the, the nice, uh, fr- refreshing Still air.
1: Still work to be done, but it's gotten much uh, better. Uh, yes.
0: And enormous progress in 15 years. And of course, the reason is very important because this is very, very very good for the environment, that is also smart economic policy of China. Look, China has no Toyota. There is no brand in China which everyone in the world know. Everyone in Norway, but everyone in Africa or Latin America, they all know Toyota. So what did China do? Well, surpass that level of development, go straight into the electrical vehicle uh, phase, not start competing in the combustion engine, and now BYD uh, is passing Tesla as the biggest producer of electric cars in the world. And this year, China will pass Japan as the number one exporter of electric uh, of cars in the world, but they're nearly all electric. And the 10 Chinese brands, Hongji, NIO, uh, Xpeng, they're all competing for this space. I mean, not all of them will be successful, but many of them will be. So China will create jobs and prosperity, but also go green.
1: In that process, of course, it's a very prospective uh, industry. The, the idea, the direction is right. But often, when a lot of industries are you know, going into the <coughs> same, same uh, direction, um, the, there could be some potential mistakes that people can make. What are you seeing as some of the potential pitfalls that these industries should try to avoid when they pursue that road? They should
0: think long ahead. Look, China is not totally dominant in the producing of solar panels in the world. 82% of all solar panels in the world right. last year we made in China. Longi, I visited them in Xi'an. They are now the biggest solar company in the world. And they're producing enormous amount of solar panels. But of course, at some time, uh, these solar panels will have to be retired then we should prepare for recycling them into new products, so we don't waste all these resources. And of course, the electric car industry, they're using a lot of cobalt, lithium, copper, and when the batteries at some time are retired, we should reuse this into new products. All this can be done, we just need to plan for a recycling industry based on the present industries.
1: Mm. Do you think the awareness is there and for instance, when you talk to the local governments, are they asking the right questions about, you know, green development, about these waste disposal, about, uh, you know, the the photovoltaic panels, for instance?
0: Absolutely, I think. I mean, if you go 20 years back in China, everything was of economic development. That was the one and only issue: bring everyone out of extreme poverty. But now, focus is on high quality growth. Well, this is set by the center. This comes from the center and from the president himself to set this direction for China. But I think largely local authorities, city authorities, all the many provinces of of China, they all understand this message and they want to go green. Mm. They're not perfect. (laughs) Americans are Europeans, Indians are not perfect either. Mm. But they do quite good work now.
1: This year will be the 10th anniversary of the announcement of the Belt and Road Initiative Mm -hmm. and you are Vice President of the Green Belt and Road Coalition which is uh, a brainchild between you and the Chinese authorities, national authorities. Uh, What exactly is this organization about and why so passionate about it? Mm. Um, I understand over the past five years since this uh, coalition was formed, 150 partners from 43 countries have joined this coalition. Mm.
0: Belt and Road, as you know, was launched by President Xi Jinping in Kazakhstan ten years ago. But in the beginning, it was a lot about old-style, brown uh, industrial development and coal-based economy. So, then Li uh, Li Ganjie, who was then the Minister of Environment of China and myself, we decided let's put together a coalition of partners who can help Belt and Road growing more green. And this has been successful beyond expectations, because when President Xi declared that China will stop all overseas coal investment, because immediately everyone is asking, well, China will not invest in coal, but maybe China can invest in solar or wind or high-speed rail uh, or green hydrogen or hydropower. And then you s- see this happening everywhere and of course Beltran Road has created a number of green programs. Just recently the Bandung Jakarta Railroad in Indonesia was open Last year the Laos-China Railroad which is linking Laos to the uh, global network was open. In Africa you have a number of, of fantastic railroads done by China and even done in an environmentally friendly way with bypasses so that elephants and giraffes. Can go under mm. or over mm. uh, the uh, railroad. So yes, in the beginning, Beltran Road was not so green, but now it's a massive force for green development in the world. And this coalition we have formed uh, help, advise, give policy suggestions, and bring people together to help Beltran Road go green.
1: We well, make it sound very simple. It's like okay, we want it, we want it to be green, and tomorrow. <laughs> it is green Uh, I'm I'm sure in reality must it must be not so easy what are some of the you know the the difficult journeys that you have covered or that you can share with us for instance uh, an example Hmm. you know because at the end of the day economic cooperation you you have to calculate the money first you know for anybody to survive in a market right how they calculate their cost and, and effect share with us one example maybe you can think of that went through this transformation mm. from being mm. a, a, a brown project to, to a green project.
0: Yeah, for very long there were numerous planned coal plants uh, between China and na- different nations. There were planned coal plant in Bangladesh, and Pakistan, uh, in Kenya. And when China decided that we will stop funding this, uh, it happened more or less at the same time as the Kenyan government and the Bangladeshi government also said, but we do not want coal here either. So it was not just China then it would have been difficult, mm-hmm. uh, but it was also the same development in some of these nations. And yes, it's not simple. It's a lot of hard work. <laughs> a lot of good people have done hard work to convince others. And the group of people working with this Green Belt and Road Coalition, they worked with the NDRC in China, Foreign Ministry in China, because a number of banks and financial institutions, and they have, and they have helped convince people. But not everything is simple. As an example, I mean, there is a fantastic railroad from Mombasa to Nairobi in Kenya. Uh, if you go through Mombasa, it's a somewhat rundown, somewhat poor city. But then you come to this Chinese railroad, wow, it's an oasis, absolutely green, well functioning. Everything is clean. It's very different from most of the surroundings. But it's now a railroad from Mombasa to Nairobi. What would be even more beneficial for Africa, if that could be taken further to Kampala, the capital of Uganda, to Kigali, the capital of Rwanda, that would have transformative impact on these countries. It is difficult to get it financed uh, because these are nations which have debt, while the railroad will be fantastically profitable in the long run, in the short run, it may not generate so much money. Mm. So to get the package right for this to happen is a challenge. Uh, but you cannot give up. You need to work on, on good projects to, to realize them.
1: Mm. Where do you think is the biggest bottleneck for international green project cooperation at this moment? You you just mentioned the bottleneck of financing, for instance, and how can can that be resolved?
0: I think maybe a, b- a big bottleneck is finance. Not that there is enough, enough finance, there is an enormous amount of fa- finance mm-hmm. in the world. We have, a, I mean, rich people have an abundance of money, and they don't really know how to use it. But to, to get the money to the more difficult places, to places where war and conflict, or African nations with a say a very non-functioning state or a lot of corruption or difficulties of different sorts that's difficult the only way to do it in my view is to base investment on private investment that use state and the world bank and asia infrastructure investment bank as a leveraging tool they guarantee for the investment but private companies do the investment then you can get a lot more done uh, compared to say just giving a Uh, A gift to someone.
1: Do you have a sense that China at least is continuously committed to promoting this kind of green development under the Belt and Road Initiative?
0: Absolutely. There is no doubt after stopping coal investment, there will be massive green investment uh, on Belt and Road. There is a number of criticisms in the West to Belt and Road, but I have to be frank, this is mainly due to jealousy because there have been a number of Western initiatives which should kind of match Belt and Road. So far, very little have come out of it. And if someone in the West have criticisms to China, I mean, I'll tell tell my friends there, well, please do better. (laughs) If you are jealous on China build better, nothing will be better for the African governments than to get different uh, options. They can both get money or investment from China or from the US and Europe. That's what they would love to see. So stop criticizing China and please do better yourself.
1: In terms of uh, green development or the transformation towards a more green economy, China has been criticized for not doing enough or not doing as much as it should or as it can as a major country. Mm -hmm. Having seen China this time up and close, what is your engagement of uh, the level of commitment and the level of efforts China has put in?
0: But look, many people have the old impression of China. They have seen on TV all the pollution which was in Beijing and Tianjin 10 years ago, and they haven't really updated their knowledge, they don't understand how much this has changed. And they know that China is the biggest coal user in the world, which is true, but also China is by far the biggest in solar and wind and green hydrogen and whatever is the new green technology. So please open your eyes for the change in China. It's not that China cannot do more, of course it can and, and will. Uh, but at this stage, China's moved from being in the backseat of green development at a time where China had mainly a lot to learn from, particularly Europe, now into China being in the driving seat. And very, very positively, not just China, the other Asian giant, India, is now moving very, very fast in the green direction. And when President Xi and Prime Minister Modi, they have some difference in some issues, on green development, they're exactly the same perspective. How to use the state as a way of driving uh, green business? And by the, I mean Prime Minister Modi is opening new solar plants, new metros by the day. Uh, Ten years ago, there was hardly any metros in, in in India. Now, 27 Indian cities are constructing metros, and India will very very soon be the second biggest solar nation in the w- in the world, next to. China.
1: So, what is the pivot for the future, or the key to winning the competition to be a better self for the future? Because everybody is talking about competition rivalry uh, between the United States and China, between China and India. But at the end of the day, what do you think decides who can do better for the benefit of mankind, of course?
0: Of course, we need both competition and cooperation. Competition is good. Uh, business competition is good. When, see, say, BYD develop very good electric cars, it put a lot of pressure on Volkswagen and gender Motors to do better. So that business competition is very good. But we also need to work together because all the major issues over time, peace in Ukraine or, or in the Middle East, uh, economic recovery after COVID, avoiding new pandemics, or climate change and environment, will be much easier to resolve. If we work together, so let's work together and inspire each other. There are some inspiring development in Europe, China can learn, and vice versa. Sometimes we can learn even from smaller, faraway places. Uh, Rwanda, in the Central Africa, they are now world leading in uh, protecting gorillas, which is a very, very threatened uh, species, because they create a fantastic tourist industry. The mm. people go and see the gorillas, and they pay for it, so that it's a great economy for the local people. So, there is an enormous uh, opportunity to learn from each other in the world.
1: Eric Solheim, Vice President of Green Belt and Road Coalition. When we come back, the Sustainable Development Goal 7 is about ensuring access to clean and affordable energy. And the UN Climate Ambition Summit is taking place following the Sustainable Development Goals Summit. How urgent is decarbonisation and the world energy transition? Stay tuned
0: making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point.
1: The Climate Ambition Summit is convening on September the twentieth, also at the UN headquarters. The meeting will call for accelerated actions by governments, the business community and civil society to reduce emissions in line with the goals of the Paris Agreement. China, as the largest developing country in the world, has ramped up its energy transition. China says it will work actively and prudently toward the goals of reaching peak carbon emissions and carbon neutrality. With years of effort, data show that China's installed power generation capacity ranks first in the world how to evaluate china's process towards a clean energy transition how to accelerate the process of realizing the energy transition while also maintaining a balance between energy supply and demand i had an opportunity to talk to francesco la Camera, director general of the international renewable energy agency At this moment, help us understand exactly what is the picture concerning renewable energy consumption in the world. Are we at what, 5%, 10% in a global scale? Do we have this kind of statistics?
2: It's, yes, sure. It's uh, around 20, 25% of a total final energy consumption. Mm. So, when we're talking energy, we are talking about producing electricity, but also we talk about Transport and use in the in your house, your eating system, and and other.
1: So altogether, we're looking at 20 to 25 uh, yes. percent at this yeah. moment. Yeah. I was reading uh, articles on your website, and it actually says that. Uh, um, and let's go straight to the tough one. Um, Ahead of the COP27, you said that governments are not on track to limit global warming to 1.5 percent. 1.5 degree and renewable-based energy transition is the only realistic way to cut emissions by 2030. First of all, why are you saying governments are not on target from the renewable energy perspective? uh, What's falling short?
2: short? So, which are the promises of the Paris Agreement? the Paris Agreement that we have to limit the raising of the temperature and the end of the century by two degrees Celsius. And if it's possible to contain in 1.5. For doing this, we need a certain, we can use the carbon budget that we have. It means all the CO2 emissions that are in atmosphere, in in certain limits. So the path towards getting carbon neutrality, as the IPPC suggests, in 2050, we have to follow a path with a decreasing CO2 emission. Forgetting this CO2 emission, just to give you a number, we need to increase the share of renewables into the energy system mm-hmm. and decreasing the fossil fuel, so the oil and gas in the system. Mm-hmm. The IPCC say 2025, peak of, uh, of gas, oil has already peaked, and in this path we need to have in our estimate 20,000 gigawatt of renewable installed capacity in our energy system. The fact is that today we are only 3,000. So we have seven here to get the result.
1: What is your observation about China? I mean, uh, you have uh, arrived in China, I'm sure you, you're looking at the numbers you have been looking at the numbers but also now in the country my observation for instance I'm noticing more and more windmills I'm seeing more and more farm of solar panels for instance and they are highlighted on TV and stuff like that I don't know what is your observation traveling here
2: I think that there is no personal observation It's so evident uh, the uh, tremendous effort that uh, China is doing almost half of the new Renewable installer capacity is in this country.
1: I mean, out of the whole world. Yeah,
2: and uh, they are also feeding the renewables in, uh, in the other countries with their uh, factory, with their panels, with their uh, blades. So they are playing a very important role in the energy transition domestically and internationally.
1: Do you think China is um, doing the right thing? Because, for instance, for China's plan for the 14th five-year economic development plan, China has set a target of uh, energy transition and it says that China will actively and prudently work toward the goals of reaching peak carbon emissions and carbon neutrality and that China will advance initiatives to reach peak carbon emissions in a well-planned and phased way in line with the principle of building the new before discarding the old I'm sure you've read this paragraph this is like the guiding principle in China's transition toward a uh, more carbon neutral economy how do you evaluate China's strategy in renewable energy transition especially the, the the idea of being very prudent and well-planned and phased and and to build the new before discarding the world what is your impression? Yeah, that's
2: uh, it's evident if you imagine that we may have a constant energy demand along the year. If you want to reduce the share of total and final energy consumption coming from fossil fuels, if you don't want to create disruption, so you're not satisfy the demand, mm-hmm. you have to increase the share of renewables. So when, when the government talks about progressing, doing things is ensuring that there is not a disruption in the energy system. So we have to, to accelerate how much renewables we can. And this is what they are doing, in fact. Naturally, we know the the plan. We know the goal of uh, of 2060 as net zero uh, year. We uh, think that uh, uh, China can uh, get this result already before the planet. This from the number that we see coming to our uh, attention. Naturally, China as other countries should be more in phasing out coal as soon as possible, so putting more renewables into the system. Mm. I think the question of the physical infrastructure is relevant also in this country that is big as a continent. So put all the conditions together for having more renewables into the energy system, working on decarbonize the end of use sector and the industries, petrochemical, steel. I think that uh, I see, I've seen uh, the, the push that the government is, is, doing, is uh, giving to work on green hydrogen as a solution for decarbonizing the heavy industries. Mm. So it's a very good step to be taken. And uh, we will really wish to monitor uh, with our colleague in China how fast uh, this will happen. And also sharing yeah. the good experience of what's happening here around the world.
1: What could be your recommendations? Because basically, just now you were saying China could do more. China could be a little bit more ambitious, maybe, in its uh, energy transfer towards a more uh, renewable based picture. But on the other hand, you also mentioned that you know China has, a, as a big country, not evenly developed and still uh, very much a developing country, and it, it needs to consider a lot of factors. What are some of uh, the uh, IRENA's recommendations so that China can better or can be more ambitious in its transfer towards more renewable energy?
2: We think that infrastructure also here is uh, is, the, is very relevant for adding more renewables into the grid. Imagine that the country has different uh, geographical characteristics. So we have to make together all what's happening in different areas to ensure stability and uh, reliance on, on the energy system. So in principle, what is in place uh, is going to rack the right direction. Also, the, as I told you, the pilot study on uh, hydrogen, the pilot study of use of renewables also in agriculture in a uh, in, uh, to prevent uh, uh, soil pollution and uh, so there are all elements that are working in the right direction so the, the, the only thing that we have to do faster if it's uh, so possible so there are not special suggestions to me no. because the leadership has already said very good line yeah. good, good what has line.
1: been what has been the relationship between irena and its chinese counterparts uh, in terms of helping making the process faster and what are you eyeing next for instance i understand this time you are have, uh, having seminars and exchanges with your chinese counterparts so what are you eyeing next in your cooperation with chinese authorities
2: many areas first of all uh, china has been in uh, Arena from 2014, so almost 10 years. He has been also having the chair, the presidency of, uh, of the agency for one year. They have been very active in all the governance of the agency. So mm-hmm. this is something that we mm-hmm. we have to say about an active participation. Then we have also the possibility for the Chinese aspect to review our work, our knowledge product. So there is a sharing of experience. Mm-hmm. We have been participating in common program for capacity building, for, for training. We are also envisaging possible collaboration in uh, implementing to the ground of a real project happening. So there are many, many areas we, we, are, we, are, we yeah. are working with the Chinese uh, authorities.
1: Many thanks to Francesco La Camera, And with that, we come to the end of this special edition of The Point with me, Lushin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lushin in Beijing. We've got The Point.